All right, Joe. Podcast Sean warned me to give you a warning. I think because he was planning on listening to this episode with his youngest daughter, who's 17, and he hasn't told her about Santa Claus yet. So if you haven't had the Santa Claus discussion with your kids, you may want to listen to this episode without them. We're going to be talking about Christmas and gift giving and a bunch of things, including Santa Claus. Enjoy the episode. This episode of The Minimalists is brought to you by nobody, because advertisements suck. The Minimalists. <laughs> every little thing you think that you need, every little thing you think that you need, every little thing that's just feeding your greed oh i bet that you'd be fine without it hello simpletons welcome to the minimalist podcast where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less my name is joshua fields milburn and i'm ryan nicodemus and together we are the minimalists today we're going to talk about celebrating the holiday season with purpose and intention mm. and of course well we have uh meg here uh, she wrote this book, Minimalist Christmas, and we're going to be talking a lot about Christmas today. It's January, f I'm sorry, it's December 1st, mm. the the day this comes out. And so, uh, Meg, I, I, I can't tell you how many questions we mm. get about gift giving. And Ryan and I often talk about our own approach, and we'll be talking about that a bit today, but I'm really excited because you wrote an entire book with your approach. And so we'll put a link to your book in the show notes as well. But why is gift giving such a, a fraught topic? Oh gosh, it's part of culture. Mm. It's part of expectations. And we've built an entire holiday around it. And this consumer, this consumerist holiday almost feels like a religion in itself. Mm. Yes. Mm. And so we really truly believe we have to give other people gifts. Right. And when you become a minimalist or try to simplify your life, even just a, a smidgen, now you have this tug and pull about, well, do I give these people these gifts and now give them a little extra stress or take a little bit more of their time away? Mm. Even though I've done everything I can to declutter my own house after watching, uh, you know, tidying up on Netflix <laughs> sure. and I've, I've thrown everything away, but now I know everything's coming back in. Mm. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's a hard time for anyone trying to simplify. Yeah. And so the whole reason why I wrote it was because I'm in all of these minimalist groups on Facebook. And for years and years now, I've, I've become a little annoyed by the same 10 questions <laughs> over and over and over again, to the point where this last fall, I almost muted all of my Facebook groups. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then it occurred to me that there's not a book particularly on these pain points. Yeah, can I actually have your copy of the book? I want to hold it up for sure. yeah. for YouTube because I have I have an advanced copy here. I have so a, uh, we'll hold a, a this better up. copy. Outside. Here we go. <laughs> so my child colored on this one. <laughs> oh, that's great. even better. Yeah. Um, so so uh, the book is Minimalist Christmas. Have yourself a minimalist Christmas, and um, that's what we're talking about today. Ryan, I, I thought it was fascinating that whenever I think about this topic. I think about the holiday season. Mm. I think about joy and, and cheer, yeah. togetherness, togetherness, yes. yeah, family, Giving contribution, back. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and and but what I actually think about when I really think about it, 
stress, overwhelm, yeah. anxiety, debt. Oh, <laughs> debt. Yeah, yeah, discontent, worry, shame. Mm. Uh, the most joyous time of the year, the holiday season, has been turned into the holiday shopping season. And now mm. that it's December and folks are listening to this and it's obviously a different year from years past, but it doesn't mean we're shopping less. Yeah. We've just moved our shopping online. So. Meg, t talk to me about some of the questions. We got some audience questions here, but of those 10 questions you get all the time, <laughs> so, uh, so to speak, here, I'll give this back to you. Uh, of those 10 questions, what, um, what comes up the most? And what, which, which question do you actually enjoy answering the most? The biggest question is, how do I get my mother-in-law, the grandmother, the aunt, the best friend? Mm. There's some chronic gift giver yes. in everyone's life. I have this problem. That is the source of the most of the, the influx of things yeah. in their homes, especially during the holidays or for birthdays. And the biggest pain point is how do I ask that person to give less or to not give anything? Yeah. How do I get them on board with minimalism? Right. And so that, that's the biggest source of angst yeah. for yeah, anyone trying yeah. to simplify. <laughs> and, and so I have someone in my family who likes to give our daughter a lot of stuff, even though we've set good expectations. And because we've done a really good job setting good expectations, rarely do we get excess stuff. We often get the things that she needs or they'll ask us or they'll gift experiences. And we'll talk about all those things today. But I have this one person in particular who from time to time sort of oversteps that bound that we've we've set. So what what advice do you have for someone like me who has a 7-year-old daughter and I don't want to deprive her obviously, but also I don't want her to think that stuff equals happiness. Exactly. It really starts further in advance. Uh, it may be even a little too late by the time this podcast comes out, uh -huh. but really kind of approach this from here on out for the next year to start having conversations with the, the avid gift giver yeah. about all the pain points that excess stuff in your house is giving you, that you're spending so much time constantly picking up toys and the kids can't get out the door fast enough for school we yeah. can't find shoes because we have 25 pairs of shoes we you know and you have given me 20 of them don't <laughs> say that part <laughs> um so if you talk about these pain points of mm. the overwhelm you don't have to use the word minimalism because yeah. that can be a scary word to these people yeah, who sure. find a lot of joy in the dopamine rush of <laughs> obtaining yeah. items even well, for other people we're kind of screwed ryan we we've already <laughs> we've labeled ourselves the minimalists <laughs> right they already think we're weird that's right. right the whole families are like yeah i'm not really yeah. sure about this whole minimalism thing, how's that going to work out for you? It yeah. still happens to be working out. Yeah. So, so, so Meg, I, I love what you're talking about here with, with the pain points. I, I think that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah. Then, then you have to talk about um, what has helped. So you, you set it all up. And then in another casual conversation, as things come up, then you talk about like, oh my gosh, you know, we only have one plate per person in the house and I don't have to spend the whole night washing dishes anymore. I don't even mm. run the dishwasher anymore. Benefits. It is really, yeah, you just really talk about the benefits. You don't have to use any scary words. Mm -hmm. You don't have to say decluttering. You don't have to say minimalism. Yeah. But yeah. you can just talk about these things so that they slowly come on board. This might be a year's long process. Mm -hmm. And then you have to set realistic expectations that some people will just never get it because yeah. they're so addicted to that dopamine and oxytocin chemical cocktail boost that they get in their brain. Uh, and so you just have to 
come, come at it with grace and, yeah. and say thank you and then have no guilt when you let go of those things. <laughs> no, I, I love the approach, uh, especially use the word grace, because when you're explaining to someone that you don't want their gifts, it sounds very mean to be like, hey, we don't want your gifts. Uh, the conversation that you're talking about having with someone like that, it's 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 exactly what you need to do. It's uh, it's showing them uh, the pain that you experience uh, getting the gifts, the joy you have living a clutter-free life. Um, the one thing you know I will say is when I have to have these tough conversations with people, I tend to say the word I when it's something negative. I am overwhelmed by too much stuff. Mm. I feel like I've had too much stuff in my life. I feel, uh, you know... Uh, like when uh, when I have my toys or my kids' toy chest overflowing, I feel a lot of stress. And then anytime you say something positive, you use the word you. Like you're such a good mother-in-law that I know that you're going to help me with this. But a lot of the times, and I used to, you know, be guilty of this. Uh, you know, you look at someone. I did this with my mom, which is not the right way to to go about it. But I'm like, you get me too much stuff. You don't respect me. You, yeah. you, 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 you. Blaming, naming, yeah, and shaming. all that right. does is make it worse. So exactly. I think the the word grace there is very important when you're having these conversations with people. Exactly, yeah. and just always staying in a frame of of gratitude yeah. because they're not trying to sabotage you. So many of these people that that I saw writing questions in minimalist Facebook groups. They looked at it like this person is trying to sabotage mm. all of my efforts, like it was mm. mean spirited and on purpose. But really, the, you know, I, and I know you have a different take on love languages, but uh-huh. for that person, from the way that they have been conditioned by society, sure, they are trying to express love and yeah. care, and that yeah. they want to contribute to your household, help out with maybe finances by giving you something they they think you need or will like. Mm-hmm. So, so to accept that with some grace and gratitude and let them have that rush that they're getting in their brain and don't take away that moment because they're experiencing joy for Christmas by seeing that. And so you can say thank you in that moment and give them the hug, Mm. but you don't have to hold on to it forever. You don't have to hold on to it for the next week. Once they give it to you, it's yours Exactly. to do with whatever you want. You are in charge of what is allowed to step foot into your house (laughs) absolutely beautiful let's hop into some of these audience questions here we've got a question from jordan in akron ohio how do you get through the holidays when you're surrounded in a work environment that literally thrives off of consumerism and retail you know i'm a i work at a salon my boyfriend works in retail he's a manager and the holidays just really seem to drain us because of the months of preparation and with me trying to take up like this new lifestyle i'm just wondering like how can we continue to like have this mentality and this mantra while our work environment is also like draining us because of all this consumerism and all this months of preparation. It's just a lot. And I I find a lot of the times we're so drained from it. So Jordan, you know, if I were to rephrase your question, I would just say, how do I mentally manage the holiday season when I work in an industry that is dependent on consumerism? Mm. And Ryan and I aren't actually against, you may think we are because we're the minimalists. And and Meg, (laughs) I assume you probably have a similar take on this, but we're not against 
retail stores. In fact, Ryan and I own a coffee shop. That's technically a retail store, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. and in fact, Ryan and I worked in retail and there was a certain level of discontent. About 40% of our business was done in the last two months of the year. And, and so, the, in fact, we planned for 11 months for the holiday shopping season, right? Mm -hmm. exactly. uh, Black Friday, doorbuster sales, the, the, the whole holiday season. And what well, what troubled me about that wasn't the fact that we were selling products or services. I'm fine with that if those products or services add value to people's lives, but creating a false demand, a false sense of urgency uh, creates a lot of discontent in people. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that that is what we were doing. And so while I, retail isn't against my values, the particular retail establishment for which Ryan and I worked was against our values. And we had to come up with a plan to eventually walk away from that, to untether ourselves from that lifestyle. It doesn't mean that, Jordan, you can't, you and, and your boyfriend can't go somewhere else and work for a different retail store, or maybe even a different salon. You said you work in a salon. A salon that is obsessed with consumerism might be one type of salon, but there are other salons out mm. there who are interested in adding value to a, a client base and then being compensated accordingly. Meg, what are your thoughts on, on someone who's working in an industry that encourages consumerism? I might come at it with curiosity mm. and be grateful for the experience to get to witness this firsthand. Mm. I also used to work in retail, uh, especially for uh, holiday. When I was in college, I worked for a, a fashion brand and I would do Thanksgiving whenever I came home for Thanksgiving holidays and then I would show back up for Christmas and stay through the new year. And so I got to go through the whole Black Friday and see the day after Christmas, the week after Christmas, all of the returns. Mm. I mean, yeah. lines out the door, yeah. way more than the Christmas shopping yeah. was, was the returns yeah. uh, and exchanges for things that they actually wanted. <laughs> and so I'm grateful for that experience to be able to see firsthand. I also worked in digital marketing for a lot of companies. Mm -hmm. And so I'm grateful for the experience to see how you can target consumers online and how those analytics work and how you can chase people all around and find similar people with similar interests and backgrounds and shopping habits. Mm. And it opened my eyes and helped me rein in my own shopping and my mm. own consumerism and helped me with my minimalist practice because I can see kind of what's happening behind the scenes. Yeah. So maybe look at it through the lens of curiosity and just study it mm. and let that strengthen your own minimalism. Can, can I ask That's you great. a question about that? Because um, I agree with that. But it seems to me Jordan feels like, and maybe I'm, I'm projecting this onto her, but maybe she feels like she's part of the problem and no longer wants to be part of the problem. Did you ever feel as, you, as your curiosity sort of came to its end and, and you had satiated that, that, that need to understand the consumer habits of other people, did you start to feel like, oh, wow, what I'm doing might actually be part of the problem? Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I, I mean, you can always change directions. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure that out myself right now with this book mm -hmm. of how to go about selling a product mm -hmm. when I'm a minimalist that has a whole book that's talking about almost like anti-consumerism and yeah. being aware of big data, big business, mm -hmm. data tracking, sure. and how do I do this without using my own knowledge of these things. Mm, yeah. So um, how do you 
step out of the retail space and find something that more aligns with your own values. Yeah. Well, what's fascinating about what she's saying, Ryan, is that, um, well, we often conflate consumerism with consumption. And so Ryan and I sell products and services that we believe in, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I would feel a, a certain amount of discontent if like Ryan and I just sold a book that we didn't like or didn't believe in or, or hastily put together and, and uh, felt like it wasn't really going to add value to people's lives or if we were doing something that was a cash grab. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm not against making money. I mean, in fact, that's just what we do in our society. If we can add more value to someone's life, then we're able to charge a, a premium for that product or service. And I, I don't think there's a problem with that. I think the problem lies in the way that we market those things to people. And what I can tell with what you're doing, Meg, is you wrote a book because people were asking you questions. There was a pent up demand of, about this. And so what you're doing is simply providing a solution to a problem, a pre-existing problem. And to me, that's what you know, we often say good businesses make money, great businesses make a difference. Mm -hmm. I would say the same thing about books. And I think what you're trying to do here is, is make a difference with that book. And I'm proud of you for putting it out there. I think whatever we do in life, like there's always got to be a little bit of cognitive dissonance with what the reality is. It's like, you know, uh, we use Macs, we have Apple products. Um, we really have to like not pretend or we have to pretend that Apple is not making these products in an unsustainable way, paying people cheaply. I mean, there's always, there's always something, there's an angle I feel like I could personally always find that's going to make me feel guilty for what I do. And I don't know the appropriate balance with cognitive dissonance, but with Jordan here, you know, I, I don't want to like guilt and shame her and her boyfriend for working in retail no. uh, because they, it's not their job to tell someone what they should and shouldn't want. Mm. Uh, I mean, sure. th they're in, they're in the service industry. So their job is to be a good uh, customer service uh, person. So um, yeah, I mean, if it's, if you're waking up and you're feeling guilty every single day, like that is a symptom that maybe you should start to look for something else. But I don't feel like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to look at Jordan and her boyfriend and be like, sorry, you guys are not going to get your uh, minimalist certificates because you work in retail. Um, I mean, that's that's not uh, th that's not what Josh and I's job to do uh, is. It's just to give you our perspective on it. And personally, if I was in a spot where I needed to make the money, if I quit my job, I wouldn't be able to pay my bills. Like I, I would still be able to get up, go to work. But yeah, I would certainly maybe start to look for something a little bit different. But uh yeah, just don't beat yourselves up too much. But yeah, form a plan to maybe go into a different a different industry. Uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, like Josh and I are not here to say what people should and shouldn't own. It's that's up to individuals to decide that. Jordan, I'm gonna send you a copy of Meg's book. It's called "Have Yourself a Minimalist Christmas." We're also gonna put a link to it in the show notes so folks can check it out if you'd like. Our next question is from Shelby in Memphis, Tennessee. How can I incorporate? Uh, minimalism into this and every other holiday while having children, especially the ones that seem to be only about receiving presents. I don't want my child to feel like they're missing out or that Santa favors other children, but I don't want to be a part of the culture that just blindly consumes just to consume. So how can I foster these great childhood memories for my daughter while not straying from minimalism? All right, Shelby. So how do you not be 
Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> yeah, how do you not be the Grinch? Oh wait, with... Scrooge McDuck is uh, <laughs> he swam through he he swam through money. That's not who I'm thinking of. I'm right. just thinking of Scrooge in general, right? <laughs> you have to be a Scrooge. Yeah. yeah. How do you not be a Scrooge? Uh, and because here's the thing, I I agree with this, and I think about this too. We don't want to deprive our children of the holidays, and unfortunately, we think it's binary, right, mm-hmm. Meg? It's like, well, you know what? Um, it's either splurge and it's 400 presents under the tree or mm. it's bah humbug. Yeah, here is your, you know, avocado or whatever. <laughs> have a nice Christmas. Um, obviously, it doesn't have to be that way. I want to no. talk to you about a couple rules uh, that Ryan and I have in a moment that I think are helpful. But I- I'd love to hear your uh, your take first. Yes. Uh, another huge question that I heard a lot and that I struggled with too. Uh, I talk about in the book how I became a minimalist and I was such a good minimalist all year, decluttered all these things, was feeling really good with getting my time back, uh, wasn't spending very much money on silly things. And then Christmas came. It was my first child's first Christmas Uh and I got her everything she could ever need Mm. for the next five years of her life. (laughs) I mean, a one-year-old and she had a three-story dollhouse and the rocking horse and the antique wicker pram and all these big things and then all the big things were stuffed with all the little things and Mm. I I had no budget set Mm. for myself Mm. I was just so excited to play Santa Mm. and uh, if you have any children in the background you might want to (laughs) scoot them out but um, I'm not anti-Santa at all Uh I love the magic of it I remember as a kid Going to bed, I had a tradition with my two younger sisters where we always slept in the same bed together mm. one time a year. Mm. We've even done it as adults just Aww. for, <laughs> for giggles. nostalgic reasons. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Because That's we adorable. would lay in bed and go, gosh, what do you think Santa's going to bring? Oh, my gosh, I don't know. Maybe it'll be this one thing. And, uh, oh, do you, did you hear something? Was that a bump on the roof? Oh, my gosh, we got to go to sleep or else he won't give us anything. <laughs> so, you know, there's magic in it. You set out the cookies and you set out the milk and... I don't want to take that away from any child, mm-hmm. yeah. but they don't have to wake up to the living room overflowing mm, with things. No. And so you can set up expectations in advance, maybe not this year, but you could start it next year. Uh, I actually recommend coming up with a story where uh, if you want to try the four gift rule, which many minimalists subscribe to, mm-hmm. which is the uh, something you want, something you need, something to wear, something to read. Uh-huh. Uh, you can say that that's coming from Santa. You know, mm. these are the four things. You know, the elves can't make 500 toys for every child in the world, yeah. but Santa can bring you f- four things. Yeah. And yeah. you can go by these guidelines, which I really like because there's only one want, mm. and all the other things are more like needs. Kind of functional, yeah. Yeah. So to kind of start a child thinking in that way, and if there are extra things, they can come from some parents or they can come from aunts and grandmothers and so that's fine Mm. but uh, you can try that approach if you're used to giving 200 things and four sounds insane then change the rhyme to two things you want two Uh, things you need you know Um, you can set a budget for yourself most Americans spend a thousand dollars per person which is insane to me. Yeah. So you yes. can set. <laughs> I wonder how much per person uh, they're going into debt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. Almost yeah. all of it. I yeah. Mean, we're, we're already in debt. And so the thing is, if the average indebted household has $16,000 in credit card debt, mm-hmm. uh, that's the indebted households, then, then 
you have to think you're already in debt. And so by not mm -hmm. allocating that thousand dollars toward your debt, you're effectively going into debt, even if you're not adding more onto your debt yeah. because it, you're taking money away that you could be using to pay off your debt. The, uh, the Santa Claus thing is, is something fascinating. I, and we're going to talk about it on the Maximal episode. I think you and I differ a bit on the Santa Claus thing, although we, we do have fun around the whole Santa Claus myth with, with our daughter. So yeah, I, I, I wouldn't focus on the Santa Claus so much. So I used to take the approach of, what do you want Santa to bring? Let's talk about Santa all month long. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to go visit Santa, tell him every single thing, that every whim and desire you've ever wanted, you know, and instead put the focus more on traditions. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get more into that on, okay. on the maximal for sure. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, what do you got for Shelby? Oh, I, you know, I love the idea of having the rules. I mean, that makes me think about how Josh and I, we get asked a lot, like, you know, what do I do with, you know, when I have kids and, and I want to be a minimalist? Um, with what we basically suggest is like, hey, look, as parents, you get to set boundaries up with your kids. And maybe you can go to your children and help uh, have them help you set those boundaries. So yeah, they could s suggest like, Hey, we're thinking about getting every kid four gifts, you know, and the, 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 what is it? Something you want, something you need, something to wear, something to read. Mm -hmm. So if, uh, if that's appropriate and, and, and your child feels good about it, great. Like that's, that's the expectation that, uh, you know, you're setting up together and that's really what matters. Um, it's interesting though, a couple things, uh, kids, it's almost like they have this power of making you feel guilty for like not being the parent that, you know, they feel like you should be. And, and then I can only imagine with Shelby here, there's guilt of like, oh, you know, they think I'm a bad parent. I don't want to be a bad parent. But, you know, being a good parent is setting up those boundaries. The other thing, too, is Shelby, if you're showing your children love the whole year, like if if you're really going out of your way to love your kids, to make them feel loved. Yeah. I promise you, like it doesn't matter how many gifts you give them, they're going to feel loved. I, I have seen a lot where, you know, certain parents are working all the time. Maybe they don't, uh, they're not able to show as much love as they want to because they're working or whatever they're doing. So then they try to make up for it with all these gifts during the holidays. And that's, uh, I'm not judging anyone who's doing this, but that's probably the worst way Mm. to like show someone love is to just buy them a bunch of gifts. It's not very thoughtful. And then, oh, by the way, if you don't buy them the right gifts, then yeah. you're not showing them the right amount of love or the right kind of love. And it, that could create its own problem. So yeah, focus on loving your kids and showing them love, going out of your way every day to show them love throughout the year. And no matter what you do for Christmas, like they're going to be appreciative. They're going to feel loved. What if you fed your kids only on holidays? <laughs> right, right. You, you'd, you'd feel like a bad parent, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, for me, I don't think gift giving is a love language any more than pig Latin is a romance language. <laughs> However, I think the real love language here, what we're trying to do when we give a gift some, to someone mm -hmm. is we're trying to add value to our life. We're trying to contribute beyond yeah. ourselves. We're trying to contribute to the people we love. That is the love language. Mm -hmm. I just wouldn't confuse gift giving with love. Mm -hmm. Gift giving is a transaction. And love is not transactional. Love is transcendent. And, and, and so I think we need to make that distinction. So Shelby, two rules for you. In fact, we're going to send you a copy of uh, The Minimalist Rulebook. It's free for anyone who wants to download it. TheMinimalists.com slash rulebook. There's 16 rules for living with less in there. And two of those have to do with gifts. One is the minimalist gift giving rule. And the other, surprisingly, 
is the minimalist gift getting rule. Mm. We often don't think about the the getting of gifts. In fact, we have a question coming up. We're going to be talking about that a little bit. But anyone can download that rule book for free, theminimalists.com slash rule book. Or if you want the audio book version, Ryan and I came into the studio. We recorded an audio book. We did a mini podcast about each individual rule, talked about what we like to get as gifts and, and give as gifts as well. But those two rules will help you out because it helps you see past the normal materialistic items of gift giving. It shows you how you can give better gifts and also how you can ask for better gifts as a minimalist. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our lightning round where we answer your text messages. You can text your questions and comments to area code 937-202-4654. Yes, indeed. Meg, these texts go to both Ryan's and my phones and we respond to a lot of people. We even respond to a few people here on the podcast. Now, during the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I and our guests, we do our best to answer every question with a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. And we put the text of these minimal, minimal maxims in the show notes so people can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if they'd like. But really, we just yammer on a bit until uh, we get something pithy, or at least podcast Sean gets something pithy. We have a question here from Alan. How do we tactfully ask loved ones not to give us gifts, especially those who grew up with gift giving as a practice to show appreciation for others. Well, here's a, I have a pithy answer. I'm curious what you would say about this, Meg. This is really the core of the minimalist gift getting rule. And I just summed it up in a, a tweetable phrase. Don't practice saying no, practice saying yes to what matters. I think too often we get caught up in that in, in this this position. I, I know I do when, especially when someone's giving my daughter these things I don't want them to give, I, I always want to say, no, stop. But let me step back for a second and say, well, what are they trying to accomplish here? Clearly they love me. They're trying to add value to my life, right? And what am I saying? No, stop loving me. Stop adding value to my life. Well, instead of saying that, maybe I should figure out a better way to communicate what would add value to my life. If you're getting me a pair of cufflinks or a necktie, then it could just be that you didn't know that those things wouldn't add value to my life. I should probably do a better job setting expectations. Exactly. What do you think? Oh, I, I completely agree. It could either be in a broad sense of making sure they understand your values. Mm. For example, we're really trying to cut down our, on the amount of plastic we bring in the house. Mm. We don't want to continue voting with our dollars for more plastic items and yes. contributing to landfills where it lasts for thousands upon thousands of years and right. goes into our air and water. So I've been trying to subtly get that across to family members to maybe shift their focus to more wooden or glass or stainless steel if they would really want to just find a better sustainable option for yeah. the item that they think will add value to our life. Mm. The other thing I suggest, I I'm, as a woman, I love Pinterest. Mm. <laughs> I do. Mm. I get sucked into the vortex. <laughs> and I love the organization of everything. I love that. What's it your Pinterest handle for folks listening? <laughs> it's a, uh, I should be Meg Nordman. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I have tons of minimalist Christmas boards. <laughs> oh, great. Well, <laughs> so. let's put a link to uh, awesome Meg's yeah. uh, Pinterest in the show notes, Sean. Great. Um, yeah. So I think if you organize a Pinterest board as a wish list, that way you can have links from everywhere. You know, you could make a Target wish list or an Amazon wish list, mm -hmm. but then you're confined to one single source. Yeah. So I like Pinterest for that mm. reason yeah. because it can be pinned from any website. Uh -huh. So I do like to send one board to all the grandmoms and all the aunts and say, 
if you're interested in getting something for the girls this year, mm-hmm. uh, these are some of the items I was looking at. And those items will be little wooden toys or certain children's books on topics that I think they would find interesting. Yeah. So I that's like one way. Because it gives them the ability to be intentional. Now, Ryan, you and I, did we, we did a minimalist weddings uh, episode. We, yeah. And uh, in, in doing that, um, we exposed that during you and I both had weddings uh, for our first marriages Mm -hmm. and we exposed that a lot of the gifts we got were rather unintentional Mm. somehow I ended up with three bread makers Mm. now I don't eat bread so that's a bad (laughs) gift in general but three (laughs) is especially bad now part of that was bad because I probably didn't do a good enough job setting expectations but two is think about what we're doing here Mm -hmm. we're creating obligation and these obligatory gift-giving days, it actually takes all of the intention out of the holiday season. And so when we do something like what you're doing with the Pinterest board, you're, uh, you're injecting intention into it. You're allowing people to be more deliberate. You feel better about it. They feel better about it. It's a win-win for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really what Meg's talking about here is showing... Uh, the gifts that she say she can say yes to, and uh, it goes right in line with what you were saying. Um, so let's say that you set these expectations, you send out the list, and people still, like you said uh, earlier in the podcast, people are still going to like maybe overstep those boundaries. Um, my pithy answer is this: receiving love is more important than receiving gifts. So when someone does overstep their boundaries, eat, o- overstep your boundaries, even though you've laid them out clearly, you've told them what you can say yes to, and they still just want to show you love by getting you something like you said earlier, receive that, tell them, okay, great. I appreciate the love that you're trying to give me, give them a hug. Um, but you know, there's really, there are certain family members who they're not, they're going to do what they want to do rather than what you want to do. And I think you still need to have those tough conversations, have them with grace. Um, but ultimately the, the goal is, is to receive the love that you're, friend or family member is trying to give you. Exactly. And to me, the goal is togetherness for the holidays. Mm. So I have a chapter called presence over presence, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, and so just be present with them. Don't let your face get all red hot when you realize that a giant plastic playset is now in your living room. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, let the kids have a blast on it for the mm. next couple of days while they're there in town. Yeah. You know, maybe you haven't seen them in months because of the pandemic or yeah. because they live 12 hours away. So just accept it with grace and mm. gratitude mm. and be present with the kids, present with the family members. Mm. And then, you know, when you do your spring cleaning and you take down the decorations, you can do your post-Christmas decluttering. <laughs> right. <laughs> you could find whatever it is a really good home. But, you know, I want to I differentiate what, I'm, what we're saying here. We, what we are saying is to appreciate the love, to appreciate the act. It doesn't mean that you have to appreciate the item that they gave you, mm-hmm. but you can certainly appreciate the intention that they were that they're that they have for your for your Christmas. Yeah, let me just wrap up with something practical here, and this is from the minimalist gift giving rule in the minimalist rule book. 
um, since you mentioned presents is the best present, there's sort of a section there where we talk about, so what if you decided to gift only experiences this year as an experiment, right? How much more memorable would your holidays be? Consider these experiences, concert tickets, a home cooked meal, tickets to a play or a musical, breakfast in bed, a back rub. We did this reason. I bought... Uh, you know, my friend. Uh, you haven't given me a back rub in so long. <laughs> it's been weeks. Uh, and uh, no, social uh, distancing. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, our friend Randy, Randy Kay, who's been on this podcast. Um, she is a massage therapist, and so I asked her. I surprised Bex with this. Um, I asked Randy, like, what massage table should we get? So we have a massage table at home now. Mm -hmm. And, of course, because of the 90-90 rule, I have to use it regularly, right. And uh, which is a great excuse to get a back rub or to give a back rub. Yeah. And um, it, it was, as long as it's something that we use, it was a wonderful you know, family gift, basically, that Bex mm -hmm. and I, it's a gift that they say the gift that keeps on giving because we, if, as long as we continue to use it, we both get value from it. It's like constantly giving a gift. So I, I, I like that as a, a sort of experience. Of course, you don't need a massage table in order to give someone a back rub, a foot rub, a full body massage, a, a holiday parade, walking or driving somewhere without a plan, spending an evening talking with no distractions, making out under the mistletoe, visiting a festival of lights. We try to do this with, with Ella several times a year. We'll even take her like we'll take her to Rodeo Drive and she doesn't even know that there, it's a shopping destination because we take her there during Christmas and Ryan's gone with us before and just a bunch of beautiful palm trees with lights all around them yeah. and because it's, it's so beautiful she doesn't realize there's retail stores there I'm sure she will when she gets older but right now it's just like oh everyone's here to look at the lights right yeah, yeah they don't know that they're going to Louis Vuitton or whatever we, do, we don't take her in there um, uh, watching a sunrise skiing snowboarding sledding dancing taking your children to a petting zoo making snow angels preparing a batch of hot apple cider taking a vacation together watching a sunset what other experiences can you give don't you think you'd find more value in these experiences than material gifts don't you think your loved ones would ultimately find more value mm -hmm. too and if you must present uh, an experience in a physical manner print it in a on a full color thick piece of paper and wrap it in an, with an ornate bow and, and ribbons and in a box and gift wrap it uh, to add a material element to the adventure i think that's one of the things we get really excited about giving a physical gift exactly. right but you can gift the, the the experiences one of my favorite things it's gone viral almost every year for a reason for probably the past five plus years uh -huh. there's a grandmother who created she got a shoe box and she decorated it and inside the shoe box is 12 envelopes that fit perfectly and each envelope is labeled you know december january february march the whole, every single month mm -hmm. and each envelope is decorated she took the time to put little stickers and pom-poms oh. and doodles on them very deliberate and then inside were things like here's a gift card to go play putt putt golf together oh. you know with grandma mm. and here is uh we're going to go to this little cafe mm. together for ice cream and so she pre set up the whole year for experiences and togetherness presents yeah and it came in an adorable box and they can't open the envelopes until the first of each month to see uh, what they're going to get to do with grandmoms so they get the gift of anticipation exactly. as well which is That's so awesome. much more powerful for kids i found That's Whenever, why they love christmas yes it's the whole month of what's going to happen on that day right yeah. it's not really the stuff it's just the anticipation of a magical being yes. showing up on your rooftop yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> we got so much more to talk about we've got some listener 
tips coming up. We got our added value segment, but it looks like we got a bunch more surprise questions this week. Like, what are seven seven different ways to decorate for Christmas? Like a minimalist. How do I let go of gifts without offending the givers? What will Joshua and Ryan's Christmases look like this year? How do I politely decline invitations for holiday parties at work? And how do I tactfully explain to my children that there is no Santa Claus? Plus a million more questions about gift giving (laughs) for Meg and the Minimalists. If you want to hear all that, subscribe to our Maximal episodes on the Minimalist Private Podcast. It's a completely separate podcast, and it's the most honest way for the minimalist to earn an income because, you know, we don't believe in advertisements. By the way, if you're not a private podcast subscriber, you're literally missing two-thirds of our show plus hundreds of hours of past previous uh, private podcast episodes. So try it out for a week or a month. It's cheaper than a cup of coffee. Head on over to theminimalists.com slash support to subscribe and get your personal link so that our private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app. Ryan, what else you got for us this week? Here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Check them out. Hi, Josh and Ryan. This is Laura calling from Kansas City, Missouri. There's a book called I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening by Sarah Holland, who's a Democrat, and Beth Silvers, who's a Republican. They have a lot of tips and insight on how to have kind and respectful political discussions with people that we love but disagree with. They also have a podcast called Pantsuit Politics, where they practice what they preach in their books. This is Caitlin from Salt Lake City, Utah. I just listened to your episode on books and thought I might give a tip for others that really helped me a few months ago when I reduced my book collection from about 400 to 100 books, about a third of which I have to use for work anyway. And what I realized was that the reason I did not want to let go of my books was because I perceived value in them, either monetarily or emotionally. So I took three steps. First, I called out all the books I hadn't used in a year and didn't see myself using in the next year. Then I used an app to scan a barcode of those books to see if any of them had resale value. I sold those books and made about $200. Last, I took the remaining books and posted them a few at a time to my Instagram story as a free giveaway. I offered to do a drop-off to anyone local or ship them media mail to anyone else. The response was amazing, and seeing all the joy that my used books were bringing to others made it totally worth the small sadness that I felt when I was giving them away. All right, y'all. Thanks again to Meg Nordman for joining us today. The book is Have Yourself a Minimalist Christmas. You can check it out on audiobook or print or ebook. I'm assuming. Uh, Where else can they find you online, Meg? Yeah, you can find me at Meg Nordman pretty much everywhere. Meg Nordman on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, you name it, and MegNordman.com. I have links to the book there. It's on Amazon. It's available on audiobook, print, ebook, pretty much everywhere books are sold. Well, you're going to be joining us for the Maximal episode here shortly for our added value segment this week. Ryan. Yes. Our friend TK Coleman. I can't do what he does. <laughs> so we have a friend, TK Coleman. He's yeah. been on the podcast six or seven, eight times now. Yeah. They, he's been on the podcast more than anyone else. We love him. He's, the, in many ways, the third minimalist. Um, <laughs> and he, uh, every day of the year, listens to Christmas music. Yeah. Uh, every day of the year. His reasoning is because he just, yeah, he just loves the cheeriness of it. So it's like, yeah. what was he saying? He's like, try to listen 
to have yourself a merry little Christmas and not be in a good mood. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I had an aversion to this for a long time. I don't know if you remember this, Ryan. I was managing a few retail stores. I had just hired you at the company we were working at. Mm-hmm. And our Westchester store had Muzak, but it still ran on the discs. Oh, yeah. And the Westchester store, Westchester, Ohio, it the disc got stuck in there and it was the Christmas disc. <laughs> and so it just kept playing Christmas songs for months wow. after Christmas. Whoa. And I don't know, there was something about that. There's something about not being able to change the music that all of a sudden makes it torturous. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. Like, well, you know the order of the songs. That's what got me. It was like I knew that, okay, this is Silent Night. Now Jingle Bells is going to be next. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, I mean, that was the, uh, there was no anticipation. Did you ever watch uh, Black Mirror? There's a, they did this episode called White Christmas. I don't know if you remember that one. I mean, but, I've seen them all, but yeah, I don't remember that particular one. Yeah, so at the very end, uh, this guy is sort of trapped in this house and the Christmas music. He's he's in a simulation, but like um, he is trapped in this house and Christmas music is playing over and he can't turn it off. Every time he breaks the radio, it reappears. <laughs> That's kind of how I, how I felt. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I don't want you to feel that way. Uh, since it is December, now is the perfect time to start playing christmas music right yes. i think now is the appropriate oh, absolutely. time i mean it's it's a uh, fall right now as we're recording this yeah and i listened to vince Guaraldi's charlie brown christmas this awesome. morning before walking to the studio <laughs> to it. get in the zone but i actually listen to vince Guaraldi every time i write oh wow even if it in a you know pandora or youtube will slip in you know charlie brown christmas and it's just so happy this little yeah. jazz trio that i Think of Christmas. It's so yeah. Good. So it yeah. Well, so for our added, the writing flow. Yeah. I for our added value this week, um, you know, I've been recommending Pandora for whatever reason lately. I think it's, you're so cool. I think it's the minimal, <laughs> most minimalist music app because I, I, it takes away my choices. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and so I, I do the ad-free version. You can do whatever you want. I just don't like having ads online, so I think it's four or five bucks a month. Uh, but on there, I. I listen to every year we have it's just called Christmas radio. It's like their official Christmas radio station. You can play it all year round, obviously, mm-hmm. but for December, we turn it on in the house like all the time. Yeah. Uh, basically starting around Thanksgiving until Christmas. And it does, no matter, even, even when you're in California or Florida, mm-hmm. you're still able to set the sort of Christmas mood. It's not the same thing as maybe being in Ohio with snow and everything else, right. but um, man, it it really does. It it puts you in. It immerses you into the holiday season. So, yeah. added value. Christmas radio on Pandora all month long. Pandora for me is sort of this experiment in letting go of control because no longer am I like oh, I'm going to pick the songs and it's Michael Bublé on the playlist and it's going to be you know Frank Sinatra or whoever. Well, they have nope. a classic Christmas one too, which is okay. what I listen to. Okay, yeah. nice. Okay, so cool. it's more Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra. Yeah. If you want that, oh. rather than the Mar- Mariah Carey. Yeah. Type stuff. Maroon yeah. 5 Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, check it out. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. And real quick, for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist. You know, we wrote a book a few years ago. It was an essay collection called Essential. It's 12 areas of intentional living. One of those areas, there's a whole chapter in there on gift giving. And so if you want an additional resource, in addition to have yourself a minimalist Christmas, then you can check out our book, Essential. It's our longest book. If you want the, if you like our podcast, you'll like the audio book version. It's over six hours long. 
Uh, it's called Essential Essays by the Minimalists. 150 different essays about intentional living in there. You can follow the Minimalists on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Minimalists. Come to one of our live podcast shows. Visit theminimalists.com/tour to find a city near you. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com/theminimalists. And if you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at the minimalists.com you'll also receive our simple sunday emails whenever we send those and if you leave here today with just one message we hope it's this love people and use things because the opposite never works thanks for listening y'all we'll see you next time fates allow Hang a shining star upon the highest bar